0: Is risen. He is risen as he said. Hallelujah. In Luke's gospel, we read this account. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Once again, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. I want us to take note of a couple of things here. First of all, this question that the two men in clothes that gleam like lightning Ask the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? And the second question, or the second phrase, then they remembered his words. So let's keep these two things in mind. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And then they remembered his words. Here are the women. It's the first day of the week. The previous day has been the Passover. Nothing is done on the Passover. It is a day of rest. But it's been on their mind what they are going to do on the first day of the week because they get up very early in the morning. They take the spices that they had prepared the day before the Sabbath, and they went to the tomb. They went with certain expectations, they went with a certain agenda. But the reality was far different than what they had assumed it would be. So let's think about what is happening here. Often we process a present reality on the basis of what we perceive and not on the basis of what God promised. And that is what was taking place here. The women were processing a present reality On the basis of what they perceived. As they understood it, Jesus was dead. They had seen him die. They had watched Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus place his body in the tomb and roll the stone into place. That was the last thing that they had seen, that was what they understood. And so they were processing that reality on that basis. And not on the basis of what Jesus had promised. So let's look at it again in light of their actions. Often we process. What did they do? What was their process? They went to the tomb. They wondered who is going to roll the stone away. That was their present problem. Because once again, their perceived reality was that Jesus is dead. And so they processed it accordingly, going to the tomb. In light of the problem that they were facing, the stone needed to be moved. And not on the basis of what Jesus has promised. What was his promise? I will rise again, meet me in Galilee. So let's look at this a couple of different ways and restate it. The women went to the tomb on the assumption of death, not life. The women went to the tomb on the assumption of what they had experienced not remembering what Jesus had promised. The women went to the tomb feeling the grief of their experience and not the hope of what Jesus had told them. The women went to the tomb according to their perception of reality. Jesus had died and the stone is heavy. Forgetting. Faith in his promise. Jesus had given them a promise, I will rise again. Come back here and meet me in Galilee. But what was dominating them was what they had experienced, what they had seen what had impacted their emotions, what they had felt. They had seen Jesus die. It was traumatic. They had seen Joseph and Nicodemus place him in the tomb and roll that heavy stone into place. Now, the stones that covered the tombs, were not only large, but they were placed in a human trough that was on a downward incline. And they were held in place, they were chalked by a small stone. And so that large stone would be leveraged back just enough to take that chalk block out of the way. And then the stone would roll of its own weight down into place and settle into a slight dip and there it would be immovable it would take a great deal of effort and multiple people to move it out of the way and that was their problem because their perception was that jesus was dead and therefore they processed it accordingly But what did Jesus promise? I will rise again and I will meet you in Galilee. Where were they going? To the tomb. What was at the tomb? Nothing. That was not the answer. They wouldn't find anything there because Jesus' promise was completely different. The fact is they were going to the wrong place. Jesus had said, meet me in Galilee. They went to the tomb. And this is often our problem. We forget what Jesus has said to us. We forget his promises. And we proceed on the basis of what we perceive. What we believe to be the problems that We are encountering that are affecting us, hindering us, inhibiting us. We are processing it on the basis of our reality, which is far different from the spiritual reality. As the Lord has stated it, as the word of God has declared it. Mark's gospel presents it like this. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now this brings to us another set of outcomes in what took place. The women arrived at the tomb. It's empty. The stone is rolled away. How can this be? Who could possibly move the stone and why is the stone rolled away? Like any inquisitive person, they stick their heads inside. What's going on? Where is the body of Jesus? We saw him laid here by Joseph and Nicodemus. There is an angelic being. There is a spiritual being. To reassure them that the promise of Jesus is true. He's not here. Yes, here is the place where they laid him, but you can see for yourself. He is not here. But go and tell his disciples, he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Well, the women went back and they told the disciples. What did the disciples do? They stayed in Jerusalem. And so later that day, Jesus had to appear to them. Coming through the walls, or through the locked door, he entered without them allowing him entrance. They were filled with fear when he entered the room. What was his first words to them? Peace. Shalom. They were cowering in fear behind locked doors. But that was not the reality of the circumstance. The reality was that Jesus was alive and they were in the wrong place. That is how we often respond to what we perceive as the reality of our circumstances. We cower in fear or we're filled with another emotion. We are dominated by another feeling because we are responding to a circumstance as we perceive it and not according to the word of God. So here are the disciples. Where are they going to find Jesus? It's not supposed to be in Jerusalem. They are supposed to be in Galilee. According to his promise, waiting for him. But again, they are responding according to what they have perceived. They are processing it according to that perception. We also read, as we continue in the Gospels, that a week later, Thomas is with them and Jesus appears. Where are they supposed to be? They're supposed to be in Galilee. They are still in Jerusalem. It is after this that they decide to go to Galilee. Why did they go to Galilee? To meet Jesus as he had promised? No. Peter said, I'm going fishing. And the other said, we're going with you. And so off they go to Galilee not to meet Jesus but to fish now Jesus has come to them twice because they were in the wrong place they have not laid hold of his promises and proceeding proceeded according to what he had told them to do meet me in Galilee after my death because I will be alive and now when they go to Galilee, it's still on the assumption of what they have experienced. Or if not on the assumption, without the reality of what they have seen, the living Christ now dominating their perspective and determining their actions. And so they go to Galilee. Not to meet Jesus, but to fish. And you remember the story as John tells it to us in his gospel. They are fishing. They have caught nothing. And they see someone walking on the shore who calls to them. Ahoy! What have you fishermen caught? When Peter realizes that it is the Lord. He makes that deck. It is the Lord, he says to his companions. And out of the boat and to the seashore. Suddenly, the reality that Jesus is truly alive. And that this is the place where they are to meet him. Dawns on them. And often that is what happens with us. Jesus has to come again and again to us. We're in the wrong place. We are still not living by faith according to what he has said to us and the promises that he's made. We're struggling along and he comes to us, he speaks to us, he encourages us, he reminds us and still we remain stuck taking actions. Not according to his promise, but according to what we are feeling, what we are perceiving. We need to come to the place where we lay hold of the promises of God. We need to stop coming to the wrong place, trying to find answers, trying to find peace. We need to instead proceed on the basis of God's promise. Everything changes because Jesus is alive. And if we continue to live according to our perception of the present reality, all we will see is the problem in front of us. We need to go where Jesus is. We need to live in light of his reality and not that of our own. I love these words from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. What a wonderful passage of Scripture. The Apostle Paul tells us that the grace of God that transforms our lives was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. You see, God has been looking at our present reality in a different light since even before the beginning of time. God has not been looking at you or I or our circumstances in light of how we perceive our reality, but in light of Jesus Christ, his Son. And the work that his son would do. Perhaps I should rephrase that. Because God never looks at our circumstances in light of what will be. The prophets use this expression that we call prophetic tense. They speak of something that will happen as though it has already happened. There is a single and common word for that. It is faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Notice that the scripture does not say that faith is the anticipation of things hoped for and the possibility of things not seen. Rather, it uses words such as Substance and evidence. Those things are equated with something that is reality, something that we can touch, feel, see, handle. And that is how God looks at things. You see, he tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that we were chosen in Christ before the creation of the world. Adopted, that we were cleansed of our sins, we were made holy and blameless, and this was all before the beginning of time. Once again, God sees us in light of what He has promised, and those promises being accomplished. We see ourselves in light of how we perceive our reality. Now, the Apostle Paul said God saved us and he called us to a holy life. A set-apart life. A life that encompasses his life. His promises. The Apostle Peter elaborates upon this and Second Peter chapter one, I encourage you to go and read it and let its words soak into your heart. That through his glory and his goodness, he has given us his exceedingly great and precious promises so that we may participate in his divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. To live in light of his promises, to live in light of what he has accomplished, to live in light of his glory and his goodness, to live in light of his reality, not our perception of the reality, which leads us to our problems and not to his promises. The Apostle Paul tells us that we can do so because this grace, God's purposes, this calling to a different life that is founded upon who he is and all that he is has been revealed to us through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. He has destroyed death and he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, once again, we are inclined to live according to our perceptions. One of the examples that we have in scripture is when Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church. And he spoke about the death of their loved ones. And their hearts were filled with grief. And they wondered what was going to happen. But he reminded them of the promise that Jesus made. If you and I are dead, we are present with the Lord. And while he said we may grieve, we grieve with this hope. That Jesus has promised that he is going to return. And we will be with him forever and ever. They were looking at the problem. Our loved ones have died. They were forgetting that those who die are with the Lord. That they are now experiencing God's ultimate purposes. The outcome of the death and the work of Jesus Christ who has brought life and immortality to us. And they were grieving as people who have no hope. We often perceive our circumstances and then proceed on the basis of what we have understood our reality to be. And we find ourselves confronted with a problem that distresses us, weighs us down. We don't see what God sees. We carry the weight of condemnation when he has said there is no condemnation. We are afflicted with our weaknesses and beset with our problems. Instead, we need to go where he is. We need to go to him, not go to our problems, not go to our circumstances and our issues. We need to go to him. Let us boldly approach the throne of grace, because Jesus has opened a new and living way. And access into the most holy place, into the presence of God, that you and I can come as children before the very throne of the Almighty, Omnipotent One. And there find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. This is the message of sunrise. This is the message of the angels to us. Don't proceed according to how you perceive reality. Go to where you experience the fulfillment of his promises. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We acclaim you today. You came as our substitute and died on the cross for our sins. And you rose from the dead as the Lord. We thank you for the word that declares that you have the power of an indestructible life. And it was impossible for death to keep you dead. And you have declared that you are our resurrection and our life. And so we pray today that we will be encouraged and strengthened. That our faith will be enlivened effected by the truth and the reality that the one who is within us is the ever-living one. And that we will walk in the strength and the life of your promises and your living presence. Lord Jesus, we pray that by the Holy Spirit Our faith would be encouraged today so that we will not proceed according to what we understand, what we perceive. That our eyes will not be on the problems that are ahead of us, but that our hearts will be set on the promises that you have made to us. May we hear the words of scripture echoing in our hearts. If you have been raised and made alive in Christ. Then set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. And not on earthly things. For your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears you will also appear with him in glory. Thank you for that assurance. Enable us, Holy Spirit, to walk in the reality of what the word of God has declared is truth and life. In the name of our risen Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. <music>